Welcome everybody to the 25 Stay Alive podcast. I'm Hugo and this is the first episode with the new co-host Dahlia. Welcome Dahlia. That's me. I'm here. Um, Thank you for having me. Having you to your own podcast. Yeah, inviting me to my own (laughs) show. Sounds weird saying it, but I like it. (laughs) I know. It's uh, it's awesome now that you're officially the co-host. It's uh, it's just as much of your podcast as it is mine. You're no longer a guest on the show. It's exciting stuff. I'm very, very glad to be a part of this in a much more permanent and long-term way. I feel like it's really given me a boost. <laughs> We're both very much uh, still great mates with Willie and the reason for Willie uh, taking more of a step back uh, on the podcast and for Dahlia coming on board uh, is purely just uh, is a very mutual with, with Willie and me. And it's more so he's just got a lot going on. I think everyone listening who knows Willie can understand that he's just got a lot. You've met him for one second. <laughs> no, and he does. He's got a lot going on, not only with his health, but his his personal ventures and, and you know his aspirations and what he wants to do. So uh, we both kind of spoke about it and said, look, we're both completely supportive of each other, uh, but for him to take more of a backward step and, and uh, I think that would just be right for the podcast going forward. I think it's worked out um, timing-wise quite well as well. Me um, being in the position that I am and as far as how far along my treatment is going and things like that, it's kind of worked out quite nicely for everyone involved to sort of be able to contribute in the way that they can. And uh, obviously we're always going to be huge supporters of Willie's. We're like his mm. number one fan. So. Abs- absolutely. And that's, so if anyone's listening... <laughs> will always th- be the case. <laughs> exactly. So if anyone's listening thinking there's any bad feelings between us, it's obviously not, not true at all and we... Uh, can't wait to see what happens with him and he might be down the track doing his own podcast or his own streaming YouTube videos which is awesome and he'll always regularly be on the show as a as a regular guest which is which is awesome one of us <laughs> one of us so no so it's awesome so having Dahlia here for the first episode um, and yeah from now on we'll be basically trying to do as many episodes as we can together and today I'm actually at Dahlia's which is awesome so I'm in Adelaide and I'm sitting on her couch and we're recording the first episode together yeah, I think it's quite nice that we're doing the first one in person together, actually. I think that's worked out quite nicely. And we've um, posted up here at my house because I'm a bit chemoed at the moment. My brain's yeah. a bit foggy. So if some of the things that I don't make sense don't make sense. <laughs> a bit of <laughs> bit, of, bit of chemo brain. I um, don't even get that sentence to make sense. <laughs> so yeah. just bear with us, I suppose, yes. the first. Uh, no, it is, it is pretty awesome. So Dahlia had, uh, had her most recent treatment uh on wednesday yes and and she's very much feeling the effects of the chemo so it's uh yeah it's pretty awesome just for for her to to be able to record this today and we've we've spent the day together which has been good we've um we had a bit of a an interview on abc radio yes we are now like f grade celebrities in adelaide here now our our (laughs) first little media thing together (laughs) yeah it's lovely (laughs) so look today we're just going to pretty much do a bit a bit of an informal episode and we're just going to, I suppose, give a bit of an update uh, on both of us, but also um, answer a few of your questions. Let's just lead into a bit of a health update because we're both very much currently yeah. in the, the midst of some imp- of it. important stuff, I suppose, and then we can kind of expand on things then as they come up. So yeah, for me personally, I'm two treatments into my uh, latest treatment medication, which is- What's uh, that one called again? So it's a biologic suppressant. The one I'm taking is called Vitolizumab, and basically it's um, I go in a hospital for a couple of hours, I get hooked up to the IV and have this drug, which essentially it's still a cytotoxic, so it still targets your your immune system. Um, in the fact that you know, same with chemotherapy, but it's not as full on as chemo. Like I was explaining to you offline, it doesn't kind of target all your cells in your body that targets the cancerous cells as well. This more or less 
targets the inflammation in my gut, if that makes sense. So look, it's not an ideal drug to take for the sake of taking it. How long are you infusing for? So I infuse for about an hour. Okay. Um, with the treatment coming in, then you have an hour to kind of just to just you know make sure that there's no side effects. And uh, look, it, it's kind of the last step. People with bowel diseases, um, severe Crohn's disease, severe ulcerative colitis, and people with inflammation in their gut is kind of the last step they take. This, it, you know, it's, it's not the cheapest drug to take. There are side effects long term, complications long term. So it's like I said, it's not ideal. It's not like a, a safe drug to take necessarily. But in my current situation, it's it's pretty important. So. Yeah, and so that sort of goes back to, oh, I'm just saying back to when you did your first episode explaining all the health risks that you're going through, um, how this is something to potentially prevent you having a colostomy. Yeah, exactly right. So for the, for those listening, Dahlia, she has a, a stoma or an ileostomy bag uh, from her recent bowel cancer surgery, but hopefully that will be able to be reversed. And if I can't get on top of my current inflammation in my what remains of my colon. So Dahlia and I have both had a, a big chunk of our colon or large bowel removed. If I can't get on top of that, then unfortunately I'll, I'll require the, the rest of my bowel removed because as it is, I'm already at such a high risk of getting another colon cancer. The way he put it, which is when you hear it this way, it's quite scary. He said, it's a matter of uh, when you get another colon cancer, not if. Brutal. Which is, yeah, you kind of sit there and go, well, uh, I think I probably have the bag then. Yeah, well, it's... Big thing to have to consider because we were talking about it before about how I woke up with myastoma and how, you know, it's been something that you've had to deliberate over. And I think that really just could mess with you, like mess with you mentally and yeah. like not knowing. And mm. I agree. And I know you're, you know, you're pretty awesome with the whole living with a stoma. And, and it I, takes time. It, it takes time. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm, I, even when we talk about it and Dali yeah. was showing me over lunch, not whilst we're eating lunch, but after lunch, she was showing me some... <laughs> photos of her uh, her stoma and look it still is kind of like I'm willing to accept that if I do need that it's you know it'll probably save my life so it's kind of all that makes sense but still talking about it you know you still I don't know it's still a bit bit weird bit queasy it's like um a lot of the people that I do talk with online just talk about how you know you would view getting a stoma or having an ileostomy as some sort of like disadvantage in your life but when you've had like ulcerative colitis for your whole life or irritable bowel or Crohn's or anything like that the restriction that you will find having those illnesses I think will be far less than if you actually have the stoma because you can sort of eat what you want more freely you're not in any pain you're I guess feel like you're more on top of whatever's going on with the disease itself because before you're kind of just like flailing about trying to yeah. Trying to get a hold on it. Absolutely. And uh, I think quite often it goes for everything in life. I think sometimes the unknowns can often be the most difficult part. Mm-hmm. So not knowing what to expect and that's uh, that when the, the whole mental health side of things comes into it and how the mind is so powerful and you kind of – when you're not sure about what to expect with life with a stone or how you're going to react to this, it's kind of – it can eat you up a bit. Yeah. And you get a lot of that anxiety. Uh, so I think – it's one of those things, I've got no doubt, if I do end up needing one down the track, it'd be one of those things, like you are now, you just become so used to it. So look, that's currently kind of where I'm at with my medical update. I've still got a few hurdles to, to overcome, but uh, hopefully... Sneaky little surgery next week. Yeah, I've also got a, <laughs> I've also got a surgery next week, which is... Um, forgot about that. Forgot about another surgery, so it'll be the seventh time they've now opened me up in my abdominal region. So <laughs> Is that in five years? It's, uh, yeah, so I had yeah. a few with my testicular and then a few... With you know, over the few complications here and there. So this one, there's just a little bit going on down in my lower 
part of my scar that they're kind of a few little lumps and bumps and stuff that they things that probably aren't serious but they just need to uh need to get on top of it triple so check. yeah triple check so they'll open me up again and i can just add to my uh my scar <laughs> get to time travel that's what i call <clears throat> going under general anesthetic time travel i actually don't mind the little cheeky general anesthetic some people hate it and i think because i've just had a few of them i uh I don't know, I always try battle to stay awake when they're trying to put you to sleep and I quite, you know, doze off. It's and a then game. You, it's a game then you kind of wake up and you're a little bit out of it and it's, I don't know, I don't know why I like it. It's kind of weird probably. I don't mind it either though. Some people, it really stresses it's, them out. It like freaks them out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, I mean, you go unconscious, I guess. No, exactly. So yeah, I've got a little cheeky, cheeky little surgery thrown in there as well, <laughs> just for good measure. But no, that's that's kind of where I'm at. Um, we just briefly mentioned on how Dali is doing this episode with a bit of chemo brain, but yeah. <laughs> I believe you've got one round to go. One round to go. It's so weird saying that out loud. Home stretch. I, yeah. So, yep, hopefully 29th of May I'll go in, have my two-hour infusion, have my final costume, put the bottle on for the first time, like for the for the last time, sorry. Can you reveal to the listeners what you're – your final chemo theme oh, is going to be. Not bloody likely. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to keep it a secret from all my staff too because I get all of my costumes delivered to the bakery and so I have to be a bit more subtle about which packages I get excited about opening up in front of everyone because it's it's the surprise that no, keeps it. it keeps it fun. And, and for, the, for those listening who haven't uh, listened to Dahlia's episode on this podcast, uh, definitely go back and listen to episode three. So Dahlia was actually the first official guest on the 25 Stay Alive podcast. And it's I think it's quite fitting now that you're a host. I love it. <laughs> so no, so Dahlia, yeah, so she shared her story in episode three. And I think what really came out of that, which people loved, uh, apart from Dahlia herself, because she's awesome, <laughs> but her chemo themo has become a part of her, her journey almost. And she, if you go onto her Instagram, she's documents in her little highlight section of all the previous themes and outfits she's worn with, you know, Marilyn Monroe's uh, being a crab at some stage, which I like that one. Yeah, I feel like crab was my favourite. Crab or emo. emo. I like the emo, the emo Egyptian. Was, yeah. And so basically <laughs> she dresses up in these awesome outfits and the themes. They're all related to chemo, themo. In like, some sort of way. In some sort of way. Yeah, like the crab one was because the cancer star sign is a crab. That was a difficult one. No one understood. But it's still that. clever. Until I wrote it – until I actually like – posted it and put the caption up and everyone's like oh i get it but walking through the hospital just dressed like a crab no one had no idea yeah, I know. so <laughs> i feel like that's kind of part of it almost got one more to go it's going to be couples themed my husband is going to participate in this one and that is one thing you can give away that yeah your husband dave that's my be, yeah that's my giveaway that's your giveaway so yeah, it will be dave a, will be participating two-part costume two-part costume yep. awesome so everyone stay tuned for that that's uh wednesday the 29th of may wednesday 29th go get to your little diaries now and put yep. down dahlia's last chemo, chemo theme yeah now it, it is awesome uh, but apart from the obviously that's your your big goal is you've got one round of chemo to go what are you, you mentioned as well you get the reversal for your stoma, stoma. yeah so i have I have to do a few more tests before they can confirm my sto- stoma reversal. So I've got for those for the what, what actually is that for those listening? So a stoma is so for the, the the reason why I had a stoma specifically is because the tumor the bowel the tumor that I had was located very close to my rectum, and so when they do the ultra low resection to remove the 30 centimetres of my bowel, the tumour ended up being slightly closer to my rectum than my surgeon had initially sort of seen on the CT scan. And the reason to have the stoma is to allow the bowel to heal post-surgery. Right. 
Um, and because mine was so low down to my rectum, there's not a lot of blood vessels there. And so the success rate for healing can be limited, I suppose. And so they to avoid any sort of leakage, which can be fatal, Yes, they give you an ileostomy. So what they do is they cut a hole out of your stomach, probably the size of a 20 cent coin. And then they grab your small bowel, pull it up through the hole in your stomach, stitch it to your stomach, and then they cut a hole in the small bowel. And so all of my output, all of my poop comes out of my stomach, out of my stoma. And it goes into a bag. And then I just empty the bag through the day and then I change the bag every second day. Yeah, wow. So that's a crash course in stomas. Yeah, wow. So that's, uh, as I mentioned, that's something that I potentially might might need. So I'm very much going to learn as much as I can about it through Dahlia. Uh, yeah. And so then the reversal part, once you finish chemo, you can then essentially reverse what you just explained and then that will... Yeah, it should just be able to sl- slot it back in. Slot it back I into think. the rectum. Yep, yep. <laughs> slot it back into that the rectum. That doesn't sound good, does it? <laughs> It didn't come out the way I wanted it to. Slow I think it came out perfectly. Okay, but yeah, more or less. Well, yeah, and then I have to do a poo for the first time. It's going to be a wild week. Exciting poo. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's going to – Yeah. Have a poo I think I'm going to be – I'm going to have a poo party. Poo I'm going to have a stoma funeral, actually. And then a poo party. And then, yeah, I think in the summertime we'll have a poo party maybe. <laughs> I like the stoma funeral. You can have all your little like uh, – when I walked into your house, you got the little reindeer – Stoma cover you had on the door. And yeah, yeah, it can be can like a memorial. So that should be my my surgeon said four weeks post chemo. Right. So if chemo goes according to plan, it should be about July. Okay. And then yeah, I'll be doing my first poop for nine months. Yeah, right. And then so before I actually have the reversal, I have to have some tests. So I have to have a colonoscopy, and I have to. I have a join test on Thursday, which is, again, to, te- to test the join, as the name would imply. And are um, you completely out of the, like, out of the woods in the clear? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, if the, if the CT scan says yes. But do you still have a little bit of anxiety? Myself? Yeah, with kind of like, I don't know. I know we were speaking about the, um, the I recently did the Jodie Lee 80K trek and the, the young lady who recently passed away, Cherie, um, with her bowel cancer and how she had kind of had a, a clear, stable case and then she all of a sudden had unfortunate yeah. spread. Does that ever play in your mind or not I really? I mean, it does. It does in a sense. I guess nothing's for certain in my mind. I, I guess I just go with the facts that I'm given and I try not to think too far in advance. That's basically my game plan. Yeah. I don't tend don't to do to too much forward thinking as far as um, specifically researching likelihoods of this or that. I guess I just go with what my surgeon and my oncologist tell me and what they feel like I need to know. And then I just go with that because I can't really control anything else. There's yeah. no real yep. benefits in my life to know, you know, X, Y, Z percentages of potentially contracting another cancer or slipping back or anything like that. Because it's, again, it's, we we're talking about this offline. It's out of your control. You can only control that's it. Yeah. your reactions to things. So I guess that's what I focus on. That's, uh, that's a huge takeaway as well. And I think that's so so important. I think anyone in life who's going through something, whether it's a you know an adversity uh, or unknowns, like I started this podcast episode up with, sometimes the unknowns being the hardest part. I think it's also just important to realise that, you know what, I'm going to control what I can control yep. and, you know, look at the positives. And you know what, you're having a, you know, reversal of your stoma, you've got your last round of chemo coming up and look, that's all pretty damn positive. So Exactly. I feel like locking yourself into the past or into the future can be a really dangerous place to put yourself in and sinking yourself into the past I think it can eat you up very dangerous place to be 
Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a good good a segue actually in in upcoming episodes. Dale and I do want to touch on some some episodes in regards to mental health. Uh, I know it's a huge part of of what we're firm believers in, uh, and I think uh, mental health is mental health. It's no different to physical health. Uh, we we all seem to put so much emphasis in our physical health, whether it be you know gym, going for runs, going to yoga, Pilates, but for some reason, our mental health, we often don't put that same time and energy uh, into... Basically little, like or, none. Yeah, little to Basically none. Basically none. And, you know, that's when, that's when you talk about the whole mindfulness piece and, you know, meditation and just, you know, taking time apart, away from each day to really focus on on yourself and your, your own mental state. Uh, and that's all, that all fits in the mental health piece. And it's when, I, when you hear mental health, it's not just um, people with mental illnesses. It's, exactly. No, I think that's the most important yeah. part to take away. So, And we'll definitely be keen to touch on that. So, And on that, actually, it's a good point. If you've got any ideas of episodes, or not even ideas, but just things that you would like us to talk about. Yeah, and, if you know someone that you'd like us to interview. Or if you know, yeah, <laughs> like we're, we've had heaps of people reach out and I've had one, one lady in particular who's saying, look, when I go through cancer, um, so I've just been through cancer, I'm now in remission, I'm feeling this certain way, um, almost worse than when I had the cancer. The post-cancer feeling that people get when they kind of just almost like once they should be feeling... They feel re- like they're supposed to be re- feel relieved, but they don't feel yeah. a sense of relief and then they feel guilty. Yeah, and it's, it's, you hear that quite often that it's almost, I should be feeling so happy and relieved now, I'm cancer-free, like, yay, this is awesome, but then you're not feeling that. You're almost feeling like, not that you missed your cancer... But you kind of like that was your life. That was, you know, that was all you were worried about. Whereas now you're living a normal life again. It's kind of like, well, now I'm worried about being stuck in traffic or I'm worried about my finances or I'm worried about the little things again. And it kind of, so little things like that. She reached out to me and said, look, I'd I'd love you to do an episode on that. And I thought that's a fantastic. Yeah, I've had lots of people bring those topics up with me about, you know, not technically being in remission, but being told, you know, your treatment is finishing now, like you're done with your treatment yeah. and and they're struggling mentally more than a lot of people that I know. That they're trying to find their place in the world again now that they feel like they've, you know, gone through such a you know, gruelling experience. Like you're always going to feel like a different person and especially like you might feel that other people are treating you differently or like because you've been away from work, you've kind of got a big hole in your career progress because you've just sort of dropped off the earth for a little while and then come back in and so you can feel a bit disorientated. I think it's just not enough people sort of talk about what happens after. Yeah, very much so. Like, So we'll definitely definitely cover off that. But like I said, if you've got any any things you want to talk about, please send away or ask us, DM us, whatever. We'd love to to talk about it. So what we're going to do now is... We're just going to go through a few questions that we've been sent in and we're just going to pick out a few ones that kind of jump out to us and, uh, and just answer some of these. So look, one of the questions that I've got is from, uh, from Tash Jolly and Tash has asked us, as a healthcare worker, I'd love to know some of your best and worst experiences with a worker. So I suppose, uh. which is an interesting one. So being going through something like Dahlia and I have with you know, cancer treatments and surgeries and things like that and our experiences with healthcare, healthcare professionals. professionals. What are some of your best experiences with the healthcare professionals and some not so good experiences? Oh, I had a really bad night. And um, so when you have when you have all these issues with your bowel and you have like colonoscopies, all this kind of stuff, you, you tend to not eat. Mm. So I hadn't eaten probably in a week 
Literally yep. would not have eaten food in a week. Yep. And I finally got myself to like eat little bits of schnitzel that particular Thursday. I was feeling pretty good. Sent my husband and my mum home really early. I was like, yep, you guys are good. Seven o'clock, go home. You guys take a load off. And I have a really, I'm very sensitive to endone. And so I can only yeah. take five milligram capsule or like pills every hour. Okay. That's kind of my max. Yep. And I know that. And I tried to explain this to yeah. the, to the uh, overnight nurse. And uh, he didn't just didn't want to listen. He was just like, oh, um, I think that you should take 10 grams every two hours. That way you'll be more rested. And then I was like, but I'll feel nauseous the whole time. So I'm not going to feel any more rested. And we kind of had a little bit of a, conver- I'm going to say conversation. It was a bit of an argument, but it was conversation. And I was like, fine, fine, fine. I'll take the 10 milligrams. Took it, fell asleep for 30 minutes, woke up and then just was vomiting and dry reaching probably from 10 p.m. till about 8 o'clock in the morning. It was horrific. It was – I I don't even know how to explain it. I couldn't sit still. Firstly, the 10 days prior – or the sorry, the five days I'd had, you know, since the surgery, since before that, I was just laying completely still. Couldn't even – you know, to get up out of bed was painful, let alone to be dry heaving for hours. So, yeah, that was a – pretty negative experience obviously it's important to listen to what they're saying yep. as far as like dosage and all of your um, medical like all your pills and things like that they're, they're educated they've studied they know what they're talking about but as far as if you know your body and what your body can and can't cope with I yeah. think you really should listen to that side of you at least yeah sometimes yeah the, yeah. Pa- the patients might yeah might know what they're talking about I could see that it you know it's blurred lines and you know there are a lot of people that think they know everything about everything so yeah. I could understand why nurses feel like they need to be like quite direct with patients mm. things like that but that specific instance I was quite sure and 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 it'd been like a few days prior that I'd been sick from having too much endone so mm. it was kind of yeah it's a difficult it's a one fine it's fine balance yeah I think it's it's a good question thanks for sending it in Tash I think that you definitely have good and bad experiences it, it, you, you always will have it's like any or it's anyway. like any profession mm. you're always going to have good experience with people and bad experiences no one's perfect I think having a bit of that humor and bedside manner is just it's so important because sometimes when you're in hospital I understand that sometimes you get patients who complain too much and they're bloody they make your life hell if you're a nurse listening to this or a healthcare professional. Of course. We absolutely understand that people are pricks to you. We understand that. But I think sometimes you just need to realise that when you're in a pretty shitty situation that something very small – and honestly, my experiences are probably 95% of them are amazing. And they come in and they've got this big smile on their face and they know how to make me laugh and they know which – they know exactly what to do when I'm just feeling so miserable. And I think it's so awesome. I had a lot to that, but I did have a a little bad experience. And once again, it just comes down to that bedside manner – of it's almost like this particular nurse has had a shit day and she literally right. I was in a bad way and my family were there I think my brother was there at the time and she literally came in and she was so rude and it was like something to do with when my machine kept beeping or something and I was just got I turned it off myself and you know she was like oh don't don't play with that and just being very short and direct and rude to me and I'm almost like what like you serious and she just didn't smile and she was just rude and I remember because I was in hospital for, for quite a while almost a month and every time I was just hoping she wasn't on that particular oh, night. So it shift. wasn't that one specific. No, all the time. That was just her I don't mind. know if it was her, just with me, or if she was. But I'm like, I did, it just made me feel like absolute crap because I'm just like, I was dreading having her as my 
nurse for that shift. Did you give them any feedback? Not really because they overall were amazing. So I ended up giving feedback and then ha- I was really happy with the response that the hospital okay. gave me. So I feel like that's also a pretty important thing to consider yeah, sure. is like feedback because if you yeah, know, no, no, I, one's, I, no one's – I agree. Look, yeah. no one's perfect. And so, look, I guess, yeah, to, to answer your question, Tash, is that, look, you get good and bad experiences and they're just a couple of little bad experiences. But I think Dale and I will both agree that we've had many more good experiences. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, I'd say mine's more like 99% of the time I've yeah. had positive experience. But one thing that my best friend, she's um, a nurse in uh, Melbourne, she told me that one of her superiors told her that – as nurses or healthcare professionals, you wake up every morning and you know you're going to end up at the hospital. That's where you work. That's your yeah. comfort zone is work at the hospital. Yeah. Whereas all the people, all the patients that are coming in, especially through the emergency ward, you've interrupted their day. You know what I mean? Like as, a, as, the, as the patient, you're not expecting to walk into a like, – especially if you're walking into an emergency department. Chances are you don't know that you're going to do it that day. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. a disruption in, in the patient's day. And so this is the way that my f- um, friend's boss had told her, like, to consider patients, a way to yep. sort of handle patients, just realise that you knew you were going to be here today, but they had no idea. They've it's just turned their day upside down. And so that's why patients or, you know, family members and friends or whatever are going to be slightly more – I'm gonna say I'm not gonna say irritable, but slightly more um, sensitive. Yeah, now, that's a good point. But I, I'd love to get the other, I guess. Yeah, I want to hear the nurses' side. The of nurses' it. side <laughs> yeah. of things, because you know we're we're two patients and cancer patients who have spent a bit of time in and out of hospitals, this, that, and the other, and you get your good experience. But even with doctors too, you get yeah. some. So I, I did. I had a urologist who I saw recently in Brisbane, and it was unbelievable. I. Got recommended to see him, and I've just—it's all to do with the whole um, fertility side of things. Yep. And I've actually today went and had yeah, when it had some uh, had been got tested. And I got told actually I've got above average swimmers. Woohoo! So there, there's some good news. So hopefully that's uh, that's some good news long term. But I saw this urologist, and I was speaking to him, and it was unbelievable. This is a you know a qualified urologist. And he was sitting there whilst I was talking to him. I'm like, oh, I got, I got directed to see you. My GP said to have an appointment with you, blah, blah, blah. He was literally like yawning whilst I was talking to him. Like, <laughs> I, I kid you not, like, oh, oh, excuse me, like yawning. And then like his phone went off and he just went to look at his phone. He had one of those Apple watches and he kept looking at his Apple watch. And I was literally sitting there like, like, hey, mate, like, are you serious? Oh, yeah. This is a specialist who was physically yawning and checking his Apple watch and just like, not even looking at me and then kind of at the end he goes look you look you can probably just go back to your gp for these things and like he almost just dismissed me altogether yeah right and i could not i could not believe it um that this that's very surprising qualified urologist was so dismissive so look i suppose you know we we covered off on previous episodes and you know what i did i went back told my gp and i booked into another urologist and well yeah i was gonna say it's there's always a solution. There is, and you can get that second. I think persisting with someone that you don't feel comfortable with is would be more of an issue. And I think more people than not would have an issue with that. I know this is – I'm definitely side sidebar. Sidebar. I'm taking a sidebar. I think most people – like I've had to call up physios on behalf of my friends just to cancel their appointment, things like that, Like because people mm. just feel that uncomfortable with confrontation. I know. Oh, they, they, they do, but <laughs> like I – we're both – both of us are pretty strong in saying if you don't like your GP, if you don't like the information you've been told, you are entitled to second, third, fourth opinions yeah. and go see another doctor, go see another buddy 
physio, go see another dentist, whatever it is. You don't have people to. People just persist. People and I persist. Don't get it, it's, your, it's your health. It's you. It's your life. Like if anyone's out there need me to make some phone calls for you to help you change Dal- specialists, Dal- just Dal- give me a go- I'll make the calls. <laughs> Dal- I'll make the calls. <laughs> I'll make the hard phone calls that no one wants to have. Um, right. So, look, we might just jump into the next question. All right. This is from Kim Smith. Uh, and she says. Hi, Kim Smith. Hi, Kim Smith. And she says, the best little distraction or tip for the times you're okay, but just are feeling down and blah. What are some good little distractions or tips that you can give Kim or those listening who have those down days? Let me have a think. Um, I would say shifting the focus off of yourself if it's something that you don't think that you can get over at that point and doing something nice for somebody else. Yes, I love that. Yeah, I love that. Cherishing others, doing nice things for other people. If you can make somebody else smile, you're probably going to make yourself smile love afterwards. That. So I love that. And mm. I think that's an awesome, important point. So whenever you're feeling down with yourself, there is no better feeling than doing something and helping others. Yeah. And even if it's something small and, you know, even when you're going in for going into hospital and you just make a little a joke to the receptionist or you you give a big smile at the checkout person at Coles or Woolies. Ask and them how they're doing. Ask them how their day is and these yeah. little things and you can see that it gets a little smile on their face and I think, yeah, by helping others, it can help yourself. Yeah, and I think it's also kind of like the – I don't like to use the word vibe but it's kind of like the impression or like – I'm just going to say it, the vibe – of you like walking – like when you're walking around, I feel like what you give off is sometimes what you get back. I like that one. And for me, the best little distraction or tip uh, for when I'm feeling down, I definitely like that point. I do do like when I talk about the podcast, um, trying to just help others uh, or just, yeah, help others makes me feel a lot better. But I also just like to really just kind of sit back and I often touch on the whole mindfulness piece and I think it's important and you kind of sit back and go, okay, I'm feeling a bit down and you don't hide hide behind it and you kind of get, you accept it. You go, I'm feeling down. So what? I'm having a bad day. We all have bad days. But just kind of accepting that, being mindful of it and then realising that go, okay, bigger picture things, is this going to really affect, you know, going for, is this going to affect my day tomorrow? Is this going to affect my health? Is this going to affect the important things in life? Or is it, you know, quite a trivial moment? And I think if you just identify that, quite often I find myself sitting back going, this is a bit of a Yeah, I think what you're saying makes sense. Like figuring out what it is that's making you upset and whether it's something you can control or not. Yeah, exactly. And and as far as I'm concerned, you know – with your with your mind, like you can control everything. Yeah, well, you can, and you so can you control can your feel. Isolate what it is that's. Yeah, exactly, and I know it's easier said than done. But so next time, you know, Kim or those listening, when you've you're feeling down, just go, okay, why am I feeling down? Like yeah. it seems obvious, but just ask yourself, why am I feeling down? If it's because you're stressed, because you know, you know, you're not saving money, or you've just had an argument with your partner, or you, you know, you've had a bad day at work, whatever. You kind of go, why is that? And then once I think that's the key mindfulness once you can identify that you go okay can i control this mm. can i physically control is there this? something i can do to change can i change this and focus on what you can control and if you can't control it you kind of go a okay time. it's a, it, it's happening i can't control it you know what you know why am i letting this just eat me up it's just going to make it worse i think recognizing what it is that's upsetting you and then figuring out the best way for you to feel better about it, whether that is to help somebody else or whether it is to, you know, to meditate or go yep. for a walk or call your mum. No, it's a good point. So if I, if I said 
to you, Kim, who's sending that question or people listening, right now, what do you do that makes you happy? We'll all have something, whether it's whatever, like you said, calling your mum, going for a run, uh, walking the dogs, whatever that might be, you've got that. So if you've got that, then use that to your advantage and exploit that in a way to go, okay, that in itself can be my distraction or tip for when I'm feeling down. But I think you have to recognise what's going on first. Correct, yeah. No, I like that. That's so That's just our advice, obviously. We no, are. And that's it. So Dal is one is very much the helping other people feel better. to feel better, which is awesome. And mine is more the whole mindfulness part of identifying why you're feeling down in the first place and the reasons why you're feeling down and how you can potentially improve that. So they're the key ones that we find help us. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to resolve the issue, you but don't just identifying it. what it is. Yeah, and, and can you control so it? Yeah. Can you control it? do so much for you. Can you control it? So thanks for that one. So look, um, another one from my sister, which uh, which I quite like. I'm keen to ask you this one, Dahlia, Ooh. because especially now you're, you're new to the, the whole podcasting scene. Oh, yeah. Is that who would be your dream person you would love to interview? And you might never get them on the show, but if you could get anyone, who would it be? Oh, a tough one. Yeah, I was going to say on the spot. Why Dahlia's talking, I'm thinking about that, and I'm going to think about that too. We're going to have some time to think about it. Okay. I'm just going to go to the next question, which was also from my sister, actually, which she said, what was the most challenging part of the trek for me? And so for those listening, I recently just did an 80-kilometer Jodie Lee Foundation trek in the Fluoro Peninsula in South Australia, and that's why I'm back here in Adelaide. All money raised goes to bowel cancer prevention, and it's an amazing, amazing cause, and it's very close to my heart, obviously very close to Dahlia's heart too. Unfortunately, Dahlia couldn't be there with us because she was very much uh, undergoing her uh, recovery from chemo. So I suppose the most challenging part of the trek for me, uh, it was probably the second day. So first day you do 40 kilometres, you go to sleep and then you try and rest up and then the second day you do another 40 kilometres. So I suppose it was that mental battle of waking up and feeling so sore and feeling like absolute shit and starting off on day two for another 40 kilometers and you're already sore, your t- toes are already sore, you've already got the blisters, your, leg, your groin, everything's sore, every muscle in your body and you know you've got another 40 kilometers to go. I think that's just like, holy shit, if I'm sore now, how the hell am I going to get to another 40 kilometers? So that was probably the most challenging part. But I think once you get through that, uh, you realize that, you know what, uh, I'll be okay. So look, it was um, that was definitely the most challenging part and I think that comes down to the whole mental side and I... I definitely touched on this a lot, is that our bodies, we can always do so much more than our bodies will tell us. And I think that's the beautiful part of something like this 80-kilometer trek is that our minds can always push our bodies further than we think it can. And it's that resilience piece of when we're feeling sore and you feel like, no, nah, I've had enough, I just, I'm done, that's what your body wants you to do. But the whole point of this trek is to push you to go, you know what? You can always do more than you think you can, always. And I think it's an important life lesson for everyone to realize is that when life gets tough and it looks like it's just too much, just realize that you can always push yourself more and you can always do more than you think you can. Uh, And so it was an amazing, amazing experience and I couldn't be prouder of my family and my friends who supported me uh, for it. How long did it take all up? It was about eight 
or so hours each day. So it was about 16 or 17 hours of just walking. Jeepers. And it was it was pretty full on terrain. Like there were some parts where you literally had to pull on trees to help lift yourself up and up hills. And it was uh, it was pretty full on. There were p- plenty of people who had done marathons who did it and they said it was shitload harder than doing a marathon. Um, you just tell me that. <laughs> so it was – but, you know, my, my 57-year-old dad did it um, – there were plenty of people, you know, in their sixties and and stuff doing this this walk, and I think it was one of those things that the whole point of it. And Nick Lee, the founder of the Jody Lee Foundation, said he never wanted to do like a fun run with um, with something like this. He wanted to make it challenging, where you're, like I said, waking up on day two, going through this, but it makes you really realise that there are people who die from these cancers or going through chemo, like Dahlia is right now, who are going who. Are, far worse off than what we are whilst we're doing that trek. So it's kind of that symbolism in a way. Yeah. To kind of go, put it like that. To go, you know what, this is hard, but holy shit, so is fighting cancer. So is going through treatment. So is losing a loved one to cancer. Like the least I can do right now is just learn a lot about myself. Uh, push myself as far as I can. Push myself as far as I can and that whole support being with your team uh, and you just you learn so much about yourself. So it was a really awesome, powerful experience, and I, I couldn't have been prouder of everyone who did it with me. Have you participated in anything like that before? Not in that level of with my family and mm. with all proceeds raised to a foundation. Obviously, I've done army training and things like that, but something like that, as special as that, that's so close to my heart. Yeah, um, I think was quite a quite a powerful thing for me, like crossing that finish line. Yeah, I'm getting a bit. Yeah, with everyone kind of by his side and like all Amber and her family it's really and my family. Lovely. It's kind of like, you know what, they're all here for me. And I think the most powerful part for me was when my dad was really struggling at the end and he was just really pushing through. I had this really bad knee. And I thought to myself, eight months ago, he was holding me up whilst I was in a walking frame, walking again from all that surgery, really like being by my side as my father. And then all of a sudden, eight months later, He's by my side again on this trek, but I'm kind of supporting him, pushing him through to the finish line. So lovely. So I think it was, yeah, <laughs> I, I love that moment. It was a very special I moment. I love that moment. So look, it was a special moment and I encourage everyone, if they haven't done the Jody Lee Foundation trek, to, you can join the 25th Day Alive team next year if you want listening mm, and yeah. Dali will be on board, no doubt. Uh, we'll have much more of a crew this time. I'll be walking <laughs> no so that's that's that was that one and if you've got any other questions about the trek please send them through but so you've had time to think now Dahlia Ooh, okay back to your interview question who would be your dream person you'd like to interview um I think I'm going to have to go with a gymnast um her name's Simone Biles she's like one of the most like renowned gymnasts currently and probably of all time in my opinion yep it's, it's, I think it's a gymnastics thing. Like it's just the, the amount of perseverance and um, dedication that you need just to be like a run-of-the-mill ordinary gymnast is, is one thing. But then to be at the – like to have the abilities that she has and to have competed at such a young age consistently so many times is, is, is literally groundbreaking. Like the kinds of things that she's doing is groundbreaking. And so I guess – she, she would have to be the most inspirational person, I would say. Like, it'd, be, yeah, it'd be awesome to get speak to someone like that and just her mindset. It would be something else. And her like grit and determination in just wanting something yep. and achieving it. At such a young age too. Like, what, what age would have that been? She, she'd probably be 20-ish now, don't quote me. But I think her first Olympic game, she was 16. That's the minimum age that you can be. And I, 
I'd hate to know how many hours I couldn't tell she would put into she, that. Yeah, exactly. So I guess it should be should be quite high up there. I'd say from like an inspirational young female's African American point yep. of view. I feel like she has a very specific, yep. no, very I love niche. That. Yeah, I think it's awesome. We, we definitely do want to try get some of uh, some athletes yep. on the the podcast. And I know I've got um. I'm a uh, huge supporter and friends with uh, Jessica Trengove, oh, who's the yeah. uh, the marathon runner. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she's run marathons for Australia in the Olympics. And I'd love uh, – she's also a proud supporter of the Jodie Lee Foundation. But I'd love to get some athletes on and just talk about their their mental resilience and what it's like mm-hmm. to just train. Because people, like, watch a footy game on TV or these gymnasts on the Olympics and they kind of – they don't realise that the effort and the, the mental resilience and the mindset that goes into getting to that point Point. <laughs> Even um, Curtis talking about Curtis McGrath. Yeah, what was yeah. he talking about? So <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like Curtis McGrath. So someone like that who, yeah, has both his legs blown off in Afghanistan serving his country, and then f- he basically set his mind to the Paralympic Games, and then four years later wins a gold medal for his country. And what he was saying as well is that the the training for any athlete. That's what I was getting at. I have chemo brain at the moment and Hugo's just finishing Trina, my sentences because really, really actually knows what I'm trying to say. Telepathically trying to pick up on what Dali keep, was say. Keep talking about what you were talking about. That's exactly what I was trying <laughs> oh, to say. I knew what you were trying to say, where he went from, but then the training that he put in, it was so much harder than he expected and for every athlete that gets to that level and he kind of put it in the fact that his race was, say, 30 seconds. Yep. And so he won a gold medal and put in everything for that 30-second kayaking event and won gold for his country and everyone's celebrating, watching him on TV. But there's literally four years of just like yeah. blood, sweat and tears Gruel. and training, grueling to get to that 30-second moment. Yeah, and it's, and it's a very similar situation with gymnastics as well like as far as like you only can compete on each apparatus for 90 seconds. Mm. So it's like your whole, you know, career's worth of training yep. for 90 seconds. And what about you? Who is the person that you would ultimately like to interview? There are so many, but I think one that I'd love to get on the show is someone from the medical field who's made drastic changes in, I guess, saving lives. Their through, particular field. Through their field. of, yep. And the big one is, uh, for me, it's Larry Einhorn. So Larry Einhorn, uh, he was Lance Armstrong's doctor and he basically cured transformed yeah he basically yeah. transformed testicular cancer testicular cancer and what he actually did he, he created this cocktail drug of chemo which is so effective to testicular cancer and it's called BEP bleomycin atopocytin cisplatinum yep and he basically in i think 30 years ago when he did this the survival rates for testicular cancer was like less than 10% it was like if you got testicular cancer because it's quite aggressive, it spreads pretty quickly. Chemo wasn't really effective for it and most people died. And he came along and did so much research into these chemo drugs and he got this formula right that completely transformed it pretty much overnight and the survival rates went from like less than 10% to 90, 95% plus for most testicular cancer pe- um, patients. That's so, really fantastic to hear that now. It's, well, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's I think it's amazing to hear. He's one person in the world who's saved probably hundreds of thousands of thousands of lives through creating this cocktail of chemo drugs, which has saved hundreds of thousands of lives. It saved my life. Yeah, absolutely. And I think about that saying how incredible that is that he's one man who's done that. 
Um, it's just unbelievable. So imagine having someone like him on the podcast and actually yeah. just saying, first and foremost, thanks for saving my life. Fucking cheers, mate. Because you did <laughs> and saying, you know, what, what, what does it feel like to know that you've impacted so many people's lives through 30 years ago, you creating this this drug through your study and your research. Like, how does that feel? Yeah. And like, because I, I don't know if anyone's asked him that. Exactly. Um, think, yeah. And look, I, I actually, I actually have, <laughs> yeah, I actually have reached, I did reach out to him when I had testicular cancer because I heard that he does reply to some emails. And so I got his email and reached out to him and said, look, I'm going through this testicular cancer. Here's my CT scans. I'm looking to do this sort of treatment options, blah, blah, blah. And he literally replied within sort of 24 hours. Yeah, right. Larry Einhorn, he's his top professor in America, and he's replying to my email saying, yep, it's the right treatment options, blah, 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 blah. You know, you've probably got 90% plus cure. And I was just overwhelmed how I'm this 21-year-old bloke from, um, you know, Australia. Just like, help. And, and yeah, he reaching out responded to, so quickly. And he responded. And I'd hate to know how many emails he gets. And I think... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to probably actually try to reach yeah, out to him. you should do that. And I think that would be awesome. So there you go. All right, so next uh, next yeah. guest on the show. Next week we're going to have Larry Einhorn on the episode. So no, that's uh, – If anyone that, knows Larry Einhorn, if you could let him know that we're trying to get in contact yeah. with him. Because that would be cool. Because look, it is easy to say the big ones, you know, the celebrities of the world. Look, it would be cool to get them on the show. It obviously helps us grow and some of them are inspirational people, uh, no doubt. But also some of those not – I guess necessarily well-known names, but those yeah. who have behind the scenes, behind the scenes, almost like these medical professionals or like that gymnast athlete you're talking about in terms of these types of people. So they're a couple off, I guess, top of our heads. Yeah, I think, and one thing that we do really want to highlight is that all of our episodes aren't necessarily going to be cancer-related. They're not necessarily going to be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're gonna. We really would like to be interviewing people that have faced adversities in many different ways. Um, maybe not specifically, not just their health. So I think it's yeah, absolutely. Obviously, works well talking about your health as well. But I, just saying in general, we'd like to make sure that we keep a pretty broad range of people that we interview to make sure that we're reaching as many people as possible. I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. And I've um, coming up, I'd love to. Well, we are actually going to be talking to this amazing young woman called Cody Gray, and uh, she's a quadriplegic, and she's had this. Had an accident, uh, devastatingly uh, made her a quadriplegic. She's only uh, in her, I think, early 20s. Yeah. And what makes her story remarkable is, A, she's just so inspirationally positive and she's huge supporter of Wings for Life and, and she's just doing amazing things. And I've been lucky enough to speak to her a few times and she's just such, a, such an uplifting, positive person. But what makes her story even more remarkable is that her partner, she met post-accident, so as, as a quadriplegic. And I think there's just something lovely um, and special in that, that it just shows that here's a young couple that are truly in love. Take their own fairy tale. Exactly right. It's kind of like that ultimate love story in a way. And I think it's kind of, it's awesome to hear that here's this guy and I'd love to get them both uh, both in. And I've yeah, been speaking to Cody idea. and speaking to them about kind of their love story and, and kind of how, you know, it's been uh, for him. Obviously, it, it would be difficult supporting someone who's a quadriplegic as, as positive as Cody is just actually supporting her would be very challenging I think it's just amazing to hear that that like yeah, love, love has no barriers absolutely and I think speaking with her partner and other partners about caring for people that are going through yeah, tough times is absolutely. probably something that we should broach on in the future I think it's pretty important because you know as Hugo would know being the sick person you kind of just feel like this burden you don't you don't mean to be and yeah. you try your best not to be but it's something that you have to face and so being able to have these kinds of conversations with the people that are supporting them. The other side, is crucial. Almost. 
Yeah, you almost feel like you inflict pain on mm. your loved ones and you almost feel guilty with that. And, and like I'm, sh- I'm thinking that they feel like they can't – whatever's going on in their life is less of an issue, you know what I mean? And it might, they might be neglecting their health or their mental health or their day-to-day is dramatically affected if someone close to you is going through something like cancer. It's important to make sure that the support networks are also yeah, – Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a big one and I'd love to get my – Lovely partner Amber on the show, but she's very reluctant yeah, to do not, so. We're gonna have to trick her into it. She's uh, <laughs> she's she's very much doesn't like doesn't like these types of things in terms of you know being the center of attention. And she's uh, she's an amazing amazing woman, and it's she's nice been, to finally meet her today. Dali met her today, and I'd also like to get your amazing husband Dave on the show. We'll uh, talk. Yeah, talk I reckon about. he'll be he'll be a good one for this. He's um, the way especially since my chemo brain has you know dramatically affected me. He's kind of got a 4k vision of everything he'll remember everything and i'm just buffering yeah so if i'm trying to tell a story i'll quite often just be like dave you can tell the rest of the story or what did that person say gonna what did re- that person so read he's your gonna, mind yeah he's got a very good recollection of everything that's been going on with us so he, he'll be a really good person to give a good explanation in detail he just his memory is out of control <laughs> yeah no absolutely and it's um i think that's that's it's important i did actually interview my dad earlier on in this podcast um which was also amazing to hear, you know, your parents' side of a story of when you're, you're finding out things you didn't even yeah, know. Yeah, I did. And like when you, you know, when your son or daughter goes through, it doesn't have to be cancer, but any major adversity in their life uh, or any challenge in their life, what's it like for a parent? Not being a, a parent myself, I, I, I wouldn't know. So it is, it is very fascinating to hear those sides of it too. Mm. Um, so look, that's kind of um, where we wanted this uh, this informal first episode to go. Just really kind of learn more about sort of Dahlia sort of talk about the direction of of where we're going to go with this podcast and the types of people we'd love to interview. And and basically, like Dahlia touched on before, we we don't want to – I guess there's no real limit in terms of uh, what we want or who we want to interview. And I suppose the biggest one is we really really just want to educate and inspire others. Yeah, and just connect with other people that are going through similar situations that we're going through. Yeah, absolutely. And then that's it. So, look, we've – yeah, it's – I'm completely honoured to have Dahlia as a, a permanent co-host now of this podcast, uh, which is amazing. And and like I said, well, this has been an informal episode, just going through a few of those questions you've you've sent in. Uh, but in future episodes, we're we're going to be getting some awesome guests on the show uh, as well. So look, thanks everyone for for tuning in for the first episode of the 25 Stay Alive podcast with Hugo and the amazing Dahlia. Yay! Thank you so much, everyone, for listening, and we'll be uh, back up next week yeah bye bye you've been listening to the 25 stay alive podcast subscribe on itunes or spotify to get fresh new weekly episodes follow us on facebook and instagram at 25 stay alive and feel free to send us a message we'd love to hear from you see you next time